Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's episode is about EQ, emotional intelligence. And our guest is Caroline Stokes, who creates emotionally intelligent companies. And she's done this as a certified EQ 2.0 practitioner and CEO of a company here in Canada called Forward. And she wrote a book called Elephants Before Unicorns, Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company. And she works as a leadership coach. The reason that I've asked her to come on today is because you most likely aren't running a company, although there are a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to the show, but you work in a company. And EQ is a skill that all of us are working on because we're in the middle of a time when we're in a state of chronic fear, at least if we watch the news which suppresses EQ. So I'm doing this because I want you guys, whether it's about your home life or your work life, to know about EQ and know how to raise EQ. Caroline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm absolutely delighted to biohack some time with you. You don't sound Canadian. Where are you from? Well, I am Canadian. I I, I have citizenship. I have a pa- I have paperwork to prove it. Uh, but <laughs> I am English, but I've lived all around the world. So I've got weird accent. Um, I uh, I am also joining you as a Canadian citizen at some point, hopefully this year, early next year. My papers are in. I'm finally going to be a dual citizen instead of an American uh, with a Canadian permanent residency. So. Congratulations. It's, huh. a, it's a great feeling. Nothing beats it, it. It sure is. Canadians are just nice. At least that's what Anytime. I keep telling them. <laughs> <laughs> is that a low EQ thing for me to say? <laughs> uh, I think there's a certain amount of uh, straightforward talking there, which, uh, you know, is, is, is nice. It's a nice thing to, to do. Yes. Now, speaking of, uh, of EQ, mm. can you define EQ? It's emotional intelligence seems a little bit mushy. In fact, it's been criticized as being a little bit mushy in, you know, hard science press. So mm. what is it? Mm, to me, it's the it's our it's our operating system, our emotional operating system. We know what happens if we get really angry. What happens when we get really angry and we make a decision on the spot? We often regret it a lot later. For example, that's impulse control. If we have anger issues and we make those decisions too quickly, we end up being in a difficult situation that can take a very long time to get out of. Uh, so even though emotions because there's been decades and decades of of our careers and even before that being so negative about emotions and people being told to leave their emotions at home and not to bring them into work and to do your job we're not in factories in factory mills do wool factories or cotton factories you know from the 1920s or whenever they had those cotton factories anymore you have to bring your emotions to what you can actually use your emotions to your advantage but as we know during covid where those emotions are pretty much at full tilt all the time since march and it's been very very hard for people to be able to to deal with all of those emotions uh, to the point where um, 49% I read just this week, uh, and I can't credit the the source, but 49% of workers are wanting to quit their jobs. Uh, They're just, people are exhausted from having to deal with everything that they're having to deal with. Um, Now we've got this whole blurring of the lines where uh, we have our work for people who used to work in offices and now working from home. 
and they're having to juggle the kids or they're having to juggle the husband or the the wife or they've got all of these challenges now, uh, especially when an organization isn't able to do the nine to five routine because if you're an international company, you're having you're, you're wanting to have uh, meetings at, at all time zones. So the pressure there, the stress levels are through the roof. And people are saying, hey, you need to be flexible about this. And it's like, well, yeah, I am flexible. But if everybody else isn't flexible with me at the same time, it's going to be really, really difficult. So it just means that everyone's uh, nerves afraid. They are exhausted. They're wanting to quit their jobs. Um, they really are just burned out. And a lot of the pandemic burned out, burnout that we're experiencing right now is because we've had to be too flexible. If you think about schools, uh, one minute, oh, yes, we're all going back next minute, literally within days. They'll say, no, we're not. And, you know, then there's all of these concerns and it's changing minute by minute still. Well, week by week uh, it was minute by minute back in March as, as it went through to June. But now it's a situation whereby we're over it. We've got our second wave coming and it's like, OK, time out, time out. <laughs> I'm done. I quit. I'm going to do something else and, you know, maybe sell my house, downsize, do something else because it is just too much. And that's about stress tolerance, which is not airy fairy. If we think about what you were just saying, emotions are a bit soft and people think about soft skills. It's hard right now. And that it takes it's it, in, emotionally exhausting. And sometimes we don't have time for other things because we just we're just overwhelmed. Very, very hard. It, it's interesting. You said stress reduction. It made me think about measuring my heart rate variability and reminded me I had to recharge my aura ring, uh, which measures my heart rate variability all night long. So I can see how stressed my body is, even if I don't mm -hmm. want to acknowledge that, which is one of the measures I use for my own resilience. And if, if people are, are stressed, like you're talking about, mm. it lowers the energy they have available to control their emotions. But mm -hmm. here's a question for you. If mm -hmm. I'm sitting in a board meeting and someone says something that makes me want to punch them, <laughs> am I high EQ? By the way, I'm a peaceful guy. I actually don't have any of that going on anymore. I didn't always <laughs> used to be like I am. But I <laughs> if I have the power to restrain my impulse and smile and politely nod, even though in the back of my mind, I'm still like you're a bad man or whatever stuff. And I'm kind of paraphrasing for my entire career, you know, nothing specific, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. if that happens am I high EQ, if I can just like tell my, my inner voice to not become my outer voice, is that enough? Or is there a different level of EQ that's required? There's lots. There's, there's, there's something like 15 components to it. So here, here you just talked about impulse control. You did not hit that guy. Bravo. The next step. <laughs> Although I've never hit anyone in a meeting in case people are like Dave's a violent just, guy. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> We're just using it as an as an example, and that's absolutely great. But you would have made the decision not to hit him because from a problem-solving perspective, you'd have gone, okay, if I hit him, I'll probably be fired. There'll be lots of repercussions there. And you you would know not to not to do that. And chances are you would have you would have had great reality testing there, uh, impulse control. So your decision-making composite would have been spot on. Bravo. You would have also then probably thought about, OK, you, you managed your stress in that particular time. So in, instead of barking out at this person or throwing him a punch, I'm hoping that with your strong sense of self-regard uh, and knowing where you wanted to go in the world with regards to self-actualization, 
and with your own self, emotional self-awareness. I love the way you just talked about resilience and how you're, you know, tracking yourself at night to know, you know, what 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 you need to, to tweak. It's exactly the same thing with emotional self-awareness. If you know that you're about to just, you know, have steam coming out of your ears, you're able to then use the powers of self-expression. So you're looking at emotional expression, assertiveness and independence. So let's say you are independent of this person that is maybe saying something that is irrational or untrue, or perhaps they're, I don't know, they're saying something that is just plain wrong. Let's just use that term. You as a, let's say, a strong-minded person that is willfully aware of all of the things that are happening in the world, uh, you're going to go and and speak up uh, without with great emotional understanding and be able to say, OK, John, you know what? Uh, I, I really appreciate what you said here, but here there's another angle that I think we should all really think about. And that's going to be a much more influential way to be able to ensure that you're communicating, let's say, in the meeting what is happening. Um, and there I just touched on empathy, for example, because that person may actually think that what they're saying is true. So instead of like, punching him or (laughs) doing whatever or putting him down, you're thinking about the greater good. So we're then looking at the interpersonal. We're looking at um, um, uh, the social responsibility aspect. It's like, okay, well, we have a goal to meet here. We've got to reach our, I don't know, month end figures, or we've got to create this product to save the planet, or we've got to save this this person that's, you know, uh, that we've got cut open on the surgeon's table, whatever it is, whereby, whereby you're able to say, you know, I think we need to actually look at this in a different way. And that, I would say, is the is the emotionally intelligent person there that is able to do that without, you know, pretending it hasn't happened um, and just ignoring it and then maybe going behind their back or uh, we, we you're, you're the advocate instead of the bad guy or the person that didn't speak up for, 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 the, for the environment of, of those people. Let's talk about, uh, in an article you recently wrote and in your book, you talk about five categories of emotional intelligence. I want you to list those uh, for us so that we understand it. And then let's get into what we can do, whether or not we're in leadership to be more high EQ. But what are the five categories? Okay. So I brief, I mentioned that actually in that entire scenario there. It's self-perception, self-expression, stress management, decision-making, and interpersonal skills. And that is the definition. It's, uh, it, it covers your well-being. It's your social and, and, and emotional functioning. Uh, and they, just like your aura ring, which I think is so great that you brought that up because I can completely get what you're saying. You know, if you have w- one, one of these, you're yeah. able to see, you're able to track, oh, I didn't do any movement today. Therefore, I now know why I'm really grumpy and why I'm not going to sleep well tonight, probably. You know, and all of these different things. We, we're so highly sophisticated now. We have we have the ability to um, uh, to access all of these uh, amazing tech pieces of technology from Silicon Valley in China. So we're able to do that. Um, but then I love how you threw China in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, actually where it's all made. They're 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 go, they're they're doing some phenomenal things. So yeah. I'm I'm expecting. Uh, 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 the next big change will be China, uh, where we're just uh, going to be very surprised there. Uh, There's just going to be a a dynamic switch and uh, it will just hit us between the eyes. So so stress management, self-perception, self-expression, decision-making and interpersonal. So what I'd like to do, and if this is okay with you, I'd like to kind of, because I gave you an example of what, if you were in a meeting and you, you were about to hit someone, that is maybe an example of what it might be like. 
um, in an office environment, which is very rare now. And that's um, the, the worst, like the, the worst extreme of not having EQ I can think of. Um, but how would I know? Like, like, okay, there's five of these things. Maybe I suck at one of the five, but I don't know it because, I mean, how would I know? How would anyone know? Yeah. Uh, well, you can take a take an assessment. That, 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 that's a really good way to find out. But the, the thing is, and this is where I, I need to help everybody out, is that think about the worst person on the planet. Just for a second. Just imagine the worst person on the planet. You know, it could be in a movie, could be in real life. Uh, Even be a relative. I mean. Could be a relative. You're going to say that person has no <laughs> EQ. No. <laughs> um, and that's not true. Everybody has emotional intelligence. You can throw anybody this assessment and they will do well in some areas and not do well in other areas. And the point is, is that supposing they have great self-perception, so they have self great self-regard, they, you know, were always doing well at school, always um, achieving great things. And then uh, self-actualization, they know they know their why. They are able to work with companies that are aligned with their why. Or And, and then you've got uh, emotional self-awareness, which is you know when things are going bad, you know when things are going well, and you're able to, to, to verbalize that. Uh, so when you look at somebody, somebody with self-perception, let's say during COVID times, the, it's a tough time. It's a tough, tough time. So you might look at that right now with somebody and their EQ will, has, will have probably dropped by about 10 points from pre-COVID just because and of the stress. How many rate. points in total? Is it, does it go up to 100 like IQ? It's uh, No, not quite. It's a, it goes up to 130, 135. I can't remember. And it's super rare to find anybody that's like, I haven't come across anybody that hits all of the bars at maximum warp speed or anything like that, uh, you, you see a, a really interesting fluctuation. And typically, uh, when people read it, they go, oh, I, I'm not sure I see that about myself. And they'll then show it to their partner and their partner says, oh, yeah, this is completely you. <laughs> but those things are kind of designed to be hidden from our own awareness. Like those are all unconscious and subconscious yeah. behaviors, right? And it's only if you have control mechanisms, which is, I think, one of those five, but the rest of the stuff, it should be invisible if your systems are working, right? Uh, if your systems are working, I, ideally, you need to to know that you've got those superpowers in some ways. Okay. Or people will have told you. Uh, for example, I was talking with uh, somebody in the UK just the other day, and she said, oh, I was interviewing, and they said, said I'm a great servant leader. And she said, I'd never heard of that before. And this is a woman in her mid-40s. And it's like, yes, all of the things that you read from coaches, leadership coaches, all of the millions of books that are out there, it all talks pretty much about the same thing, which is servant leadership, how you are able to coach other people to do their best things. And that also means that you have to understand yourself as well, which is a lifelong thing to do. Uh, we know how hard that is. And sometimes we don't like it. And it takes a long time to get out of the, those habits uh, or a long, a long time to be able to make those changes, as, as I'm sure you know, going to the gym, right. you know, long does it take to build up that muscle uh, or losing that weight from Thanksgiving or Christmas and so on and so on. These things take time and you have to work on it as often as possible, which requires a lot of so much self-reflection uh, so that you're able to understand uh, what, what's going on. I've worked on this part in particular because I'm a former network engineer from Silicon Valley who weighed 300 pounds and had Asperger's syndrome. Oh. Uh, so that makes you probably less 
strong on the EQ spectrum. And fortunately, I hacked the biology and neurology of my brain so that I'm not wired the way I used to be. But there's some stuff that's probably easy for some people that I had to actually focus really deeply on internally and modify my behavior patterns and just my awareness and eventually change the neural pathways in my brain so that I'm it's more automatic. It's been a little bit of work uh, and involves starting a neuroscience company. <laughs> but um, So I, I'm very interested in EQ, but it's always been really hard for me to know, okay, am I you know, doing it in this you know senior leadership meeting or whatever? And generally people say yes, but because I'm CEO, they're going to say yes anyway because people always tell you what you want to hear when you're the top dog. So how do people, whether you're the, the lead parent in a family um, or you're in a leadership role, even on a team or something, how do you know if you're actually doing it versus people are just telling you you're doing it to be polite? Love that question. And person that covered it really well, and I cover her in my book, her name is Kim Scott. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of her. She wrote a book called uh, Radical Candor. And it's like yeah. number two or number three in uh, Amazon right now, and which is not a surprise because clearly during COVID, we need that. We need to really speak uh, with with candor. Uh, but the radical candor is not about, you know, just beating people up and saying, you're lousy. It's about really coming at it from an attitude of care. And what I would encourage is, you know, as a CEO, you bring forth that radical candor to your organization to the point where I think when she was at Google, um, or Apple, she was in both of those companies. She, when she found out from uh, Sheryl Sandberg, yes, she was um, at Google. Uh, she found out from Sheryl Sandberg that uh, she had this thing that she would be doing, which was she'd be going, um, ah, uh, um, ah, uh, um, uh. <laughs> And Sheryl Sandberg said to her, you're, you're losing credibility because you're umming and ahhing and things like that. So she made a decision that she would bring her entire team to this change that she wanted to make and said, okay, I've just found out about this. I didn't realize that it was a thing. If I'm doing it, can you please flick a rubber band to me? Uh, you know, so, so I know that I'm doing it. That'll yeah. work. <laughs> and it apparently worked. Um, so it's one of those things where you need to bring everybody on board with you to create that sense so that when the CEO uh, has received data, first of all, the CEO has to declare, I want to make this change with myself so that they can see that it's happening so that that when the CEO says, thanks so much for telling me that I just messed up then, you know, let's say two days later because the CEO forgot because habits are hard to break, the they then know that, that it is safe enough to be able to do that and that you've got this wonderful virtuous loop happening. So you kind of have to, it does start from the top. It's very rare that it can happen from the ground up or from uh, uh, below up upwards because everyone's scared of the boss. Everyone's scared of the boss. It's just the annoying thing. Uh, they don't want to they don't want to jeopardize their um, their future or their current status. And uh, so it has to be modeled from the very top and and encouraged and coached and supported and reiterated and repeated and repeated and repeated until it nobody even notices that it, it there, there's any other way. All right. So say you're, you're managing a team yeah. and you notice that one member on your team has that problem with public speaking where they um and uh all the time, which does make people think you're dumb, even if you're super mm -hmm. smart. Mm -hmm. And it's a poor habit. It's one I trained away from myself. I certainly used to have it. And 
now you don't want to be criticizing the person. They're under enough stress from COVID and working from home and interruptions from kids and all the stuff they're all dealing with. So how do you go about telling this person if you're their boss that you have a mm-hmm. serious problem without making them, oh my God, you know, my boss thinks I'm a bad person, all this stuff that runs through people's heads. What's the trick? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, if this is the first time that the boss is ever ha- having that conversation, I think that's the, that there's the error right there. Uh, there needs to be regular check-ins, uh, meetings whereby people are saying, okay, this is what I want to develop. This is how I want to be able to move forward. Oh, can you give me some feedback on how I can move forward? So there needs to be that reciprocal um, open feedback loop happening. But let's just say that doesn't happen. Uh, so in this situation, it is not happening. Um, they're in COVID. You can see that the person is stressed out. They're, you know, juggling 10 children. Um, the house is falling down. There's an earthquake. There's hurricanes. And this person is umming and ahhing for a major, major presentation. You then speak to the person and say, I know that you've got your 10 kids. It must be really hard. You've got to lead with empathy. I know how hard it is for you. You've got hurricanes coming in. You're battening down the hatches, you know, boarding up the windows and everything. I know how hard it is for you. I just can I and then you ask permission. You say, can I give you uh, some advice on your presentation? And that's all you're doing. You're asking and you're then waiting quietly for that for the person, the recipient that you want to give that feedback to for them to say, yeah, sure, I'd love that. And then you say, "Okay, now I've noticed a few times that uh, you've got this little bit of a habit where you're umming and ahhing and I know that when I do it, no, just like you just said, you said you had to train yourself out of it. Everyone ummed and ahed in their life, and we all had to get that feedback. So it's just going to be a similar kind of thing. It's like, you know, this is what happened with me. And then someone told me, it's a bit like telling telling someone that they had spinach in their teeth. I'm just get till, tell, want to give you this guidance about umming and ahhing. And what I, the advice I want to give you is instead of umming and ahhing, just look into the distance peacefully and close your mouth for just that second and and have a dramatic pause. Try that out a few times and off you go. So you kind of go in there with empathy. The person's having a tough, tough time during COVID. You're then asking for, for permission to provide feedback. You're waiting for the person to say yes, because they have to cognitively go through that loop of, yeah, I do. It's not like you're going to a trainer at the gym and you're waiting for them to just pinpoint all of these things, you know, at you know, 100 miles an hour, you're, you have to seek permission and you have to wait until that person accepts. And if they say, oh, I'm a little bit nervous about what you're saying, don't worry, I'm looking after you here. This is something that's going to help you in the long term. And then from that particular moment, you then give them the information. You might put a little story, anecdotal story there and give them the thing and then provide them with a little bit of a solution so that they can walk away with something. So empathy permission, getting a yes, and then coaching. A little bit of a coaching, but with 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 the front end of a, of a story and okay. uh, just see how they go. And then when you see them that do that presentation and they're not umming and ahhing, you can go, you can say right at the very end or, you know, email them or give them a call or a text message and say, hey, loved what you did there. Loved the dramatic pauses. It it put tension into the situation. So you, you're, you're encouraging them and you're helping them cement that new neuron uh, from from fear to encouragement, and off they go. Okay, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense, uh, and I, I can think of times when it's worked. 
i was thinking about doing something in my company and i want you to tell me if this is a high eq likely to succeed strategy or a bad strategy when i say my company i actually have five companies uh, and i'm not talking about bulletproof i have a leadership team there so i'm chairman and founder and i'm not operating that um, but in my other set of companies that run with the blog and the podcast and the true dark glasses and and neuroscience and all that, um, one of the cultural things I'm working on is not using weasel words. And these are words that let us get out of things like, oh, yeah, we need to do that. doesn't mean you're going to do it and you actually don't need to do it. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. Right. Th- those are the two realities or we should do that or I'm going to think about that, like the words that that kind of set something that could be actionable and, and set it aside. Now, I do this sometimes. My kids have trained most of it out of me because I trained it out of them. But I was thinking about saying, all right, guys, here's the deal. When any of us uses a weasel word, um, you're going to put a you know a dollar in the in employee cookie jar, the virtual one. But when I use it, I'm going to put $25. Nice. Now, um, I don't want it to be anything that's economically burdensome. I feel like most people, if it's a dollar or two that goes either to charity or towards you know some kind of good virtual experience for us all, nice. like that, that's going to be within reason, so it it's not harmful. But is that a good move or is that a bad move? Like like break it down from an EQ lens. What, hmm. what should I do differently or better? Hmm, I think that's a really that's that that, that is a really nice. Uh, well, first of all, I love it. I think it's a really nice idea because as you as you identified, weasel words really don't get you anywhere. They're not definite. They, I think the only aspect I have about banning it is that, uh, and you're not going to like this, I'm just front loading you here, which is that sometimes when people will say could, it then gives other people the opportunity. It's a bit like... Um, well, could isn't a weasel word. That, that one's okay. like, like it, it's an option, but we say should. Okay. Now you've got okay. judgment on it. So I tell you, don't say we should. You say we could do it, and either we are or we aren't, right? Yes. So could I would be okay with. So that yes, one okay. we don't have to. So it's the shoulds and the, the words. The shoulds, the needs, and the, the can't uh, and uh, the have tos. All of those are untrue in business. There's nothing you have to do. You can go out yeah. of business if you don't do it, right? So I, I, I love the idea that you've identified the weasel words, what I would say, and I'm not going to break it down. I'm just going to jump to it and then I'm going to break it down if that's okay, okay. with you, yeah. which is that putting a fine on it instead of them showing how their coulds and woulds, no, could too, woulds and shoulds and can'ts actually impact their ability to find solutions. So this is what I would suggest is that the moment they say can't, uh, would, should, they then have to announce it on email to everyone instead, which is, oh, I man. just said, <laughs> so I just public said, humiliation. <laughs> no, 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 this is, no, no, no. So I, I, I just said should, and here's my, here's my loop here. I said should when I realized that uh, I have this past issue from thinking that we should do this. And now I, I have decided that uh, I will have a conversation with X, Y, and Z to make that happen. If everybody is involved in that whole process, then it's in, instead of the money, because that, that's it. It's like, oh, I just did that. They're not actually learning from it. And the other people aren't learning from it as well. So they can help each okay. other along. Otherwise, there's going to be a situation where there's going to be a bit of competitiveness. There's going to be a bit of... Um, the irritation, frustration, or they're not going to get it, but then everyone can coach each other's to do it. Um, so if we look at it from a self-perception perspective, I'm now going to break it down. 
Are you ready? Yep. Okay. So from a self-perception, if someone's self-regard is pretty low on this already, um, they're going to be able to escape by just putting money in there. They're not going to care. But you're going to be able to turn it around where their self-regard is going to increase if you give them that learning experience and others coach them and say, yeah, great job. Um, and then from a self-actualization perspective, they are learning, they are growing, they're becoming a better person for, for taking ownership on particular things. Um, emotional self-awareness, this is actually critical because if they say it in the moment and then the other person catches them and then they have to say so and coach them on that at that moment, you just said can't. Uh, I now need to have a, a one minute coaching session with you and you, turn you know, that. You just said need right there. So you used one too. <sighs> so bad, so bad. I'm just messing with you. Thank you. Uh, so, so when you have that kind of conversation, they they are then able to elevate themselves into an action, uh, into self reflection uh, and action to identify what was blocking them. And then they can say, "I just had this great win." Or you could get the other person to say, "Hey, I just had a chat with John, and this was when he said can't and." And he just turned it into this, you know, and everyone can then do that. Um, so you build a win. for it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's just on self-perception, which if you think about it, if we're not feeling good about ourselves and we're not feeling good about what we're doing and we're not growing from it and we're not able to check in, I mean, that's just like the most fun fundamental thing. Uh, and then I can go into self-expression, which is emotional self-expression. It means people will be able to find the solutions really, really quickly. They're not harboring, you know, some kind of gray, ugly, like, annoyance that they just had to put, you know, a dollar in there, um, in the, in the cookie, in the cookie jar, that's going to, you know, the children's hospital or something. Um, so emotional expression, uh, they're going to improve assertiveness. It, the assertiveness there is that they are going to catch each other. They're going to be listening even more, uh, for each other, which is going to be a fun game. Uh, until they like, okay, this is actually going to make us more productive. Uh, and it will enable the people very quickly to adapt and improve their communications. And obviously from an action perspective, and then from an independence perspective, where you're able to do things without other, other people's opinions, you're self-regulating yourself in your mind, which is, oh, I was just thinking in my mind out no, in my mind, can't. And I'm just going to quickly change that loop for myself. Uh, so just on those two, I think it's 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 hugely, hugely, uh, hugely powerful. You just have to keep the game going for for as long as it takes until it, you see people coming through with that that level of thinking uh, automatically. And that that may take six days, six weeks, six months. No idea. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash dave 
for a seven-day free trial. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Now, your book has an interesting title that actually caught my attention when I was looking for uh, the right guest to interview around EQ. Elephants before unicorns. Why did you call it that? <laughs> well, um, I just remember when I had the idea for the book before I even uh, wrote the book, and I've already got my the second title for my next next book already decided. I've got to write it now. Uh, but I was always thinking this these elephants in the room of every single organization, and there's numerous. Just stuff all the elephants in one room. Uh, there are so many that aren't. Uh, addressed. And that essentially means it's impacting your ability to hire, retain, um, and and evolve those people. And those people will affect profoundly the organization and its success. And uh, to me, uh, throughout my career, I was just seeing all of these elephants and I felt like I wanted to just say something but I didn't feel confident enough to be able to say anything about it because at that time I was very junior uh, working at Sony and working at Virgin. And I could see all of these different systems within the organizations that was just driving me nuts. I couldn't understand it. So I decided to create the book Elephants Before Unicorns, Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company. And it was... It was just obvious because whenever we would, because we do executive search as well, when we do executive search, the organizations will ignore those elephants in in their organization uh, because they want they want these really shiny, super smart, highly unobtainable unicorns to join them, but they can't because they haven't reworked the systems within their organizations. Uh, I got it. So these are the things everyone knows, at least. Everyone thinks everyone knows that no one's willing to talk about. No, uh, nobody wants to talk about it. Nope. Having been the CEO enough times now, uh, quite often, if I was aware of it, I'd probably do something about it. But then people feel like they they, they just don't want to tell the senior leadership for the reasons we talked about earlier uh, mm -hmm. on the show. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a conundrum. And then what's a unicorn? Unicorns are those people that are really going to adjust and grow the organization that you need it to 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 grow into and one of the things that i really like about excuse me uh kim scott's book again uh is that she talks about rock stars or uh, rock rock stars and what's the other one that she calls it uh oh i can't believe i can't remember uh and and we had this lovely conversation a little while ago about it which was about you know, having those rock stars that are able to propel the people 
within the organization to propel the company forward in a really dynamic way is great. But you've also got the people that uh, aren't just rock stars. They're the people that make those things happen. And it's essentially, those unicorns are rare. They're hard to find. You can't find people that have all of those amazing skills. I mentioned earlier, servant leadership, for example, whilst also being really good at their specialized subject, whilst also being fantastic team player, whilst also being a, you know, wonderful at basically everything. And when you do find them, you want to retain them. And people are only going to be retained if the environment will allow them to grow and thrive. The amount of people that I've heard from, uh, it, usually not not people that we've placed, but usually the people that come to me are the people that say, Caroline, I've just started this company. It's terrible. I, I don't know what I was thinking coming to this company. The, the interviews are completely different to the reality. And that that's not, it doesn't happen so often now, but there's still that gap in the interview, which is basically like a beauty pageant. And then when they're, once they're being placed, the whole place is in disarray and they've been hired to do something that they don't either have the skills to do or they haven't been given the trust to be able to do it because, for for many, many reasons. Uh, and then if they are there and they've, they've managed to survive in the organization for a year or two, uh, they they're finding that they're, they've they've hit they've hit the ceiling. There is nowhere for them to go. There is no leadership training internally. There's no succession planning. There's you know none of that stuff to actually keep them there. Or maybe the challenge isn't there. And there's some great technology that's being developed by some of the leading companies uh, in Silicon Valley, uh, specifically to understand what those people are doing and how they're doing and identifying what through algorithms, you know, how they are, um, how their performance is is impacting them to know whether or not they're happy. Because I can always see through people's behaviors, and this is going to freak you out, but I can see through people's behaviors whether or not they're ready to move on. I can just see. I see all of these little triggers. It's like I'm a, I'm a little AI machine being able to see what, what people are up to uh, because People are really predictable when they're not happy with their job, when they're not happy with the, they're not challenged enough. They're, 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 maybe the people have been hired above them that uh, they're not happy with or they don't have the, the skills to be able to move into that new role where the company is evolving and they, they're feeling uh, un, under under threat. You know, all of these different uh, situations for employees they don't even know the majority of the time what they're about to do next because it, they're, they're scared. They're overstressed. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned something that's very interesting to me. You said an elephant in the room is that you keep attracting fake unicorns. And we talked about what a unicorn is. Uh, you know, a unicorn is someone who really can change the game, a super high performer yeah. that you really want to have in. And what is a fake unicorn? And, and how are people attracting the fake ones? I don't want to do that. No, you don't. I like to kind of summarize the fake unicorn as being you, and I've seen various companies do this, where they'll they'll have these really high aspirations of their company. They'll say, think the company, their company is absolutely outstanding, that their future is outstanding, their future project product range is outstanding, that they've got the best possible people here, and they want someone to come in that is going to transform what they're doing. What so they then interview people and they blindly hire the wrong people uh, 
because they haven't brought the whole team to interview those people and to get that get get all the feedback that's absolutely necessary so you hire the fake unicorn who you whom you think is the best thing ever because you've looked at their title their pedigree um what what they did really well in the interview maybe they had an assessment or a test or a uh, some kind of case study that they had to present or whatever and because they just ticked all of these boxes <laughs> really beautifully they they're like okay this is the person for us they arrive and they're not a culture fit or they're unable to influence because this person is so used to doing it in a particular way or uh or and they're just not able to gather the hearts and minds of everybody in the organization or the they turn up on the first day and the ceo just says ah uh, why did we hire this guy or <laughs> this woman? Uh, this doesn't make sense. And then they realize too late. And then then they'll go into denial for a very long time. In the meantime, they've upset their entire organization or the people working around that person. And, uh, you know, they're having sleepless nights. They're going home, talking to their spouse, being really upset about, you know, this new the person that's been hired. And then uh, it takes HR about a year to have them exit. Exit. Uh, so that is part of the challenge. So my way around it, um, how I propose it in the book, is to have as many people in the stakeholder team join that interview process so everybody can discuss how that person is going to fit in, what is it they liked, what is it they don't like, what area do they need to develop in, um, what are the opportunities, what are the benefits, threats, so on and so on. And then from that particular perspective, they go through those different motions, everybody gets together and they say, okay, what are we going to do here? But the other thing is to also understand how interested that party is as well. As you and I know, uh, some people just want to get a job uh, because they have to pay the bills. Right. Uh, um, uh, we, you know, I've been that person for, you know, the first first few years of my career. I just needed gainful employment until I was able to find uh, the, you know, self-actualization, my, you know, my meaning and my goal. And I haven't looked back. But for a lot of people, it may just be, gosh, they've got to they've got to get their mortgage. Or they've just got to pay their mortgage and they need a job really quickly or they're going to have uh, they're going to be rushing into a job because they think their company is about to close. And you've really got to have that trusting relationship with the with the prospective new hire. Very transparent conversations uh, from the very beginning. And that's where. I'm going to jump along to a different uh, road right now, but that's where the the communications from, with the recruiter is absolutely crucial because a recruiter just wants to tick those boxes. But if the recruiter is able to be truly integrated with the organization and is able to echo and mirror and 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 discuss the challenges in a very authentic way, uh, then the new the the candidates are going to really feel like they're it's not an interview like an interrogation it's a, it's a meeting of minds for people to see how can we bring everything up together how can this be uh, a mission and a movement uh, versus you know just a job so you've got the whole person going into it, it it's interesting that the slipperiest fake unicorns I, I know that i've hired one sociopath um which was not a good move um but sociopaths are good at hiding so they're, they're the ones who are the hardest to spot and i've hired a bunch of people who you know probably weren't on the, I just need a job, but the ones who really weren't able to see the reality around them because they were kind of living in their own fake world. But mm -hmm. it's very hard as a hiring manager to, you know, to spot the fake unicorns. And in fact, that's one of the areas of improvement that I have over the next, uh, you know, well, however much longer my career is, but 
I think I've gotten much better just over the last couple of years. But I like it that you called that out because anytime you're bringing someone onto your team, whether you're, you're running a company or you know it's a much smaller thing you're doing at school or whatever else, all it takes is that one, you know, that one person who isn't what they say they are and things go sideways real quickly. And that's, that's right. never fun. So I, I was happy that you wrote about that. And thanks for sharing yeah. that knowledge. Uh, I, I know that your greatest strength is empathy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering <laughs> what's your greatest weakness? Oh, what's my greatest weakness? Stress management um, is, which is why I work, 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 work. I am constantly stressed um, based on uh, whenever I uh, have got something done, uh, it's not enough. A lot of people, I'm sure you know them, they'll say, I did it. I'm going to go and get myself a cup of coffee. No, I've got to get onto the next thing. I've got that that constant hamster wheel. So that's uh, that my stress. right. That's yeah. a tough one. Okay. It's horrible and it's it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that I have it and I'm working on it all the time. Well, congratulations. The the good news is that all of us are working on something all of the time, usually. Because uh, if you're not working on something, then it's probably working against you and you don't, just because you're not aware of it. And at least that's been my learning in my own path. Uh, Caroline, thank you for being a guest on Bulletproof Radio and sharing the difference between elephants and unicorns uh, on this interview. And have a wonderful evening. And thank you so much. This has been a, a wonderful conversation. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.